Good evening and welcome to Great Right Radio. It's hump day on Pagans Tonight. Jason Mankey still across the pond, so I'm figuring maybe I'll do a rerun of a episode where he is interviewing Matt Mar Matt Aron. So sit back, enjoy this, followed by the Pagan Variety Show. Uh previously known it's uh now pamit's porch but back when it was still the variety show i had ginger doss in my own living room talking about two years ago wow does it seem like two years two years ago was when uh yeah the green album came out from tuatha dea ginger doss a whole bunch of great people and it's still a great album so if you haven't already gotten yours www thegreenalbum.net to go ahead and get yours and um, all the reasons why coming up after Raise the Horns Radio with the Pagan Variety Show with me, Pam Kelly and Ginger Doss. Have a great night. We'll see you in about two weeks. We have a new opening. It's so quick. The old opening with the old music. Dune, dune, dune. You know, Pagans Unite on Pagans Tonight. You know, I had like extra minutes because of that opening. I could like hang out Drink some scotch, drink some cider. Welcome to Raise the Horns Radio. I'm Jason Mankey. I've been away for a while. I should apologize. Just been super, super busy. So many festivals, so much stuff to do, so many books to write. Ugh, you know? So, yeah, I've been really slacking on the shows. Used to do every other week, and lately it's been about one a month, and it's Probably going to continue like that going forward because my life is nutty. Anyway, uh, I missed all of you. It's good to be back. It's good to be talking to you live for all the dozens and dozens of listeners out there. Thank you so much for joining me tonight on Raise the Horns Radio. I'm Jason Mankey. I'm the guy who raises the horns. Tonight, my guest. Oh, my God, I'm excited for my guest. So he's so nervous and he's just going to be fine. Is Matt Oren. He's a witch, he's a writer, he's a psychic, he reads a lot of tarot. He's also like the greatest book reviewer I have ever met because he reads two books a day, I swear. Anyways, I'm just, I'm really excited that Matt's here with us. On the show tonight, uh, most of you probably know that Matt writes at Patheos Pagan, where I write, and John Beckett writes, he writes Under the Ancient Oaks, and Lil Dorsey writes. Voodoo Universe, and Laura Tempest-Zakroff writes a blog called A Modern Traditional Witch, but, like, Matt's come in and made us all look bad. He's, like, our number one blogger now, so it's a real honor to have him here on the show. Hi, Matt. Hey, Jason. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to have you. It's going to be fun, you know, and you really are this incredible book reviewer. How do you find time? I'm just going to open with that. How do you find time to read all of the books that you review? And because I swear you you review ten or fifteen books a month. Well, I, um, I just make the time for it. Um, I'm pretty much I do the witch thing twenty four seven. So uh, I just take the discipline that I've learned in my personal practice and apply that to reading. And I use some of the tricks that I learned. Um, in my witchcraft training to speed through the books and memorize and retain what I've read. Wow, I need a new tradition because they didn't teach me that as a gardenarian. 
Yeah, yeah. That um, in the Temple of Witchcraft, uh, we are taught uh, to count down into an altered state, and then to have a trigger. So, anytime we want to memorize something, have it kind of go into you know that altered state of consciousness, we just hold our trigger. So I actually hold my trigger when I'm reading something that I need to retain, um, or if I have things that I have to say that I need to retain. Wow. Gosh, I'm, I'm like reevaluating my life now. I've had to read a lot, but I I no longer read for pleasure either. I just read for pagan projects, which is sort of disappointing and distressing all at the same time. Yeah, but you're like and, the pagan you historian. Know, yeah, I I know a lot of pagan history stuff. So the problem with pagan history, though, I guess, is that there's not a whole lot that's really concrete about a lot of it. So even if you think you're well-informed, somebody will still call you stupid about it or argue with you about whatever it is. But, and that's just sort of par for the course. Being a being like a pagan history nerd isn't fun. I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I come from a background. I'm sorry. I come from a background that's very focused on, um, like, I used to be really into Joseph Campbell and Carl Jung and stuff. So a lot of the history is kind of, it's not that it's not important. Um, I think it is important. And I think people that study that and know that information, that's fantastic. But for me, the lore is just as important. So, you know, if a witch tradition claims, you know, this this lineage or this mythical origin, you know, that's part of the modern lore. So I think there's importance to that, but I do think it's important to, you know, make sure that you don't believe that as fact. You you know, I mean, I I agree with you. I mean, I think, I think that we create powerful myths sometimes when we sort of create these older than they probably are pedigrees, but I also feel for me that I get closer to the original intent if I get closer to the source material. So, you know, if I'm reading about Robert Cochran or something, and I don't really think Cochran did a whole lot before the 1950s, but when I'm reading what he did, and then I can find something that he, that was similar to what he did in a group like the society of the horseman's word or whatever it is, I just feel closer than to what he wrote, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. Um, I think, I guess I mean more towards the spirit of the actual working or rituals, um, the religion, you know, the the different traditions. Uh, like um, Victor Anderson, for example, um, there are some amazing myths. Um, I'm not sure if any of them are true, but... <laughs> You know, that doesn't yeah, really, that doesn't really, they, they are amazing, um, you know, but I don't know if that has any impact on how I view the teachings and the workings. And I think pagans have for a long time been really hung up on uh, older is better or more valid. Um, you know, so I think that that kind of leaked into a lot of the early uh, witchcraft revival figures. But I don't, I, don't, I don't really think it's that important. For me, if it works, 
it works. And that's, <laughs> that's pretty much all I need to know. You won't get any arguments from me there. I mean, I think witches do what works. It doesn't really matter how old it is or how new it is, or if you just made it up 20 minutes ago, as long as it does the job, it, it's completely valid. And I'm certainly, I don't play God and goddess police either. So, we're, but I feel like I'm interviewing myself to some degree. I want to talk about you. I want to talk about the things that you do, the things that you write about, and I want to talk about your experiences in the craft. You're a part of a couple of different traditions. You've been with several different teachers, and I'm sure that you were called to this long before you even worked with any of those folks. So what's your story? How did you come into the witchcraft community? How did you find it? Oh, my God. We only have an hour? Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. You get, well, you get like 20 minutes for your origin story. <laughs> yeah, I was asked this on another podcast by uh, a non-witch, a non-pagan. And like after four minutes, she's like, oh, okay, let's move on to the next question. Um, <laughs> because I don't think it's that clear cut. Like, I don't think, you know, we just kind of pick up a book and are like, this is my my path. This is my religion. For me, uh, witchcraft is an orientation, and people get kind of weird when you uh, mention that because there's a lot of ideas about what that might mean. For me, um, what I mean by witchcraft is an orientation, I think that there are aspects within someone that relate to the craft. So even when you don't know what the craft is, you're kind of drawn to certain things or you'll have certain experiences. Um, I don't, I can't say that's true for everyone, but that's kind of been my experience. Um, when I was a little child, I had, you know, a lot of these very psychic experiences that didn't really fit um, what I was allowed to believe because I was raised in a very, ex I don't want to use the word extremist, but kind of extremist Christian household. It was a kind of mixture of Pentecostal, which are the ones that like speak in tongues and work with the Holy Spirit oh, yeah. and the, and the evangelicals. So it's like a marriage of, you know, two of the most <laughs> radical, you know, sects of Christianity. But, um, though, and, you know, though I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop you for a second. Though when you think about those, those two radical sects of Christianity, along with Catholicism, they're like the most pagan to me in that they offer that sort of ecstatic experience that a lot of other Christianities don't offer, but I'm sorry for, you know, interrupting, but please continue. Oh, absolutely. I mean, especially Pentecostal, yeah. um, you know, I see a lot of, you know, I don't practice voodoo. I don't claim to be a voodoo expert, but from what I have seen of voodoo practitioners, I see, I see a similar ecstasy. Um, that has occurred in the Pentecostal church. Um, and that could be, you know, it's Southern roots. But, oh, for sure. Um, so I guess what happened was I was like probably like seven, seven years old, and I saw the movie The Craft. And I know everyone rolls their eyes about that. Um, you know, I, I watched it late at night, you know, when no one was awake, and it was almost like a religious experience, you know, as silly as it is. You know, the rituals, the candles, uh, the magic, you know, just something deeply struck a chord and resonated with me. So I went to my elementary school the next day, and I started 
scouring my elementary school library for anything on witches and witchcraft and ghosts and stuff like that, which is a very limited selection for a little kid. I mean, you end up getting like raw dolls, witches, you know, but there was one book and it was uh, put out by Time magazine. They used to do those kind of hardback series on different subjects and it was on witchcraft Mm -hmm. and which is a really weird book to have in an elementary school. And it was mostly like folktale witches and stuff like that. But in the very back, there was a section on modern witches. So they had figures like Anton LaVey and Church of Satan. And then they had one picture that really stuck with me, which was um, this really old picture, I think from the 70s, of Maxine Sanders and uh, Alexanders and their uh, initiates on top of some like grass hill doing a ritual. And so I read the little oh, thing yeah. about that and discovered the word Wicca. So <laughs> this was around the time of um, like uh, Netscape Navigator for the internet. So, you know, I started Googling, you know, Wicca, witchcraft, and you get these like, you know, really cheesy angel fire sites. Um, and then, so like, I kind of like, I was like, yes, this is it. You know, so I used to, um, you know, try to do the little spells off the internet. And then one day I was at a bookstore and when no one was looking, I bought Silver Ravenwolf's Teen Witch. And at the age of seven, eight, it was a book that I could understand. It was a book where I could actually learn, you know, some ideas that are close to, witchcraft and so you i mean i started doing yourself? like you bought that yourself like, at the register what kind yeah, of reaction they... did you get when you took that up there i mean i was well, weirded out buying books when i was 20 so they wouldn't sell it to me at first so it, it was the weirdest thing it was like it was pornography or something like they kept asking like right. oh is there an adult here you know to buy a book on witchcraft I was like, no. So, you know, being in the mall, I would, every time we'd go to the mall, I would go back and try to find a way to sneak there and hope that someone new was at the register that would sell it to me. And eventually they did. <laughs> wow. So it was, yeah, yeah. And it was, uh, you know, I really don't remember. I know it took more than two. <laughs> Um, it should have been. It should have been thirteen. That would have been perfect. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe I can embellish that when I'm making myths, you know, origin myths. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I got really, really into, uh, you know, doing that and connecting with uh, Silver's work, and then reading more books, and then I tried jumping into modern magic right after that. And that was like way over my head at that age. So, you know, I kind of put it aside and um, it wasn't until after high school because um, I, I was exploring all these different paths, you know, because it's kind of like I said, it's an orientation. So like I'm seeking out these different things that have elements of modern witchcraft, like um, different shamanic traditions. Like I went through the, Munake rites and all of that and uh you know reiki and new age and stuff like that and then i started astral projecting spontaneously which scared the shit out of me um (laughs) so it kept happening so much that i was like okay well i need to learn how to control this 
Um, and it was around that time that I was learning to control that, that I came into contact with my familiar spirit. And so I'm, I'm working with my familiar spirit and I'm getting this information, which I think is like this huge revelation, right? Um, you know, that there's three worlds and, you know, there's, there's an overworld and an underworld and a middle world. And I think I'm so groundbreaking, you know, and I Google this and I come across Christopher's shamanic temple of witchcraft which, you know, of course, explains the three-world model, which is like a basic mm -hmm. universal, you know, cosmology. And so I started kind of incorporating a little bit of that into it. And then eventually uh, my familiar spirit uh, convinced me to move to the East Coast. So I did um, with my boyfriend. And, uh, you know, I was reading uh, the Shamanic Temple of Witchcraft. And he goes... Oh yeah, yeah. That's that's Christopher Penzak. He he lives around here somewhere, I think. You know. So I was like, what, really? <laughs> so <laughs> I googled it. I emailed him, and he invited me to an open house. Uh, we were pretty impressed. He invited us to come to Temple Fest. We went to Temple Fest. Fell in love with the community, the magic, but most of all, I fell in love with the depth that Christopher provided witchcraft, which is something that I had not come across. Um, particularly as a, you know, kind of solitary seeker where um, during that time period, a lot of publishers were publishing a lot of fluff material um, that just kind of repeated mm -hmm. the same stuff. So um, from there, I just kind of <laughs> took off. So that's not the only teacher that you've had. Have you worked with Lori Cabot? I mean, that's in your bio. We've never really talked about it, but have you have you met Lori Cabot? I've never I've never met Lori Cabot, and I think that would be like this huge mind blowing experience for me. <laughs> yeah, um, I've I've met Lori uh, several times. Um, I trained under her for the Cabot tradition. I took uh, one of her tarot courses. I think I took another course. I don't remember. I think it was like tarot magic or something. Um, I read at, it's not her store cause she doesn't own it, but Enchanted in Salem mm -hmm. is pretty much where her, her stuff is sold, where she does workshops, where she reads. So I read there, um, and I've made friends with her daughter and, um, you know, everyone else there. So yeah, I've seen Lori, um, <laughs> Lori's, Lori's kind of amazing. Um, she's kind of intimidating at the same time, just because, a, she's Lori Cabot. B, she just has this aura about her where, like, she just steps into a room and, like, everyone just kind of looks. You know, even people, like, right. tourists who have no idea who she is. You know, she just has that about her. Yeah, I mean, just anytime I've even just seen her, like, on television or something, that you can just feel sort of the power radiating out radiating out from her and there just aren't a whole lot of people like that it's good to know that i'm not off base and that it's actually something that's really there oh no absolutely and she's probably the most mind-blowing psychic i've ever had the honor to meet um it's just so effortless for her and it's so so deep um if anyone goes to salem in october i definitely recommend booking a session um if it's not already booked because like she does the tarot, but like 
she doesn't really need the tarot. And I kind of think it's kind of more for the person sitting than, you know, how she's pulling the information. Cause she'll like drop down like the seven of wands and be like, Oh, you know, um, a plumber recently went to your house and picks a fix the pipe under your house. And uh, it's just burst. So you need to get that fixed. And they're like, Oh my God, no, we know we just, we just hired someone to fix the pipe. So it's just stuff that like, you know, the tarot doesn't say, um, but it's just this like mind blowing type information, um, which is why, you know, the Salem police and stuff have worked with her to find missing bodies and to locate killers on the run and stuff like that. So where the store that she reads at, you also read at. How long have you been reading tarot? Was that just something that came after the witchcraft or was something that came before? No, that, that came before. So um, I started that in high school um, my freshman year, which was 2000. So um, 17 years. Um, I didn't really get super serious into it until after high school. So all during high school, I would use the little writer weight little white book that comes with it um, and just like read it and, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of assume stuff. But after high school, when I was exploring things more uh, in depth, I dived into the tarot a little bit deeper. Um, with Christopher's training and Lori's training, uh, I've been able to kind of open and enhance my natural psychic ability more. So that definitely brought a whole new component to my tarot readings. So uh, I would say like 17 years, but professionally, maybe like six, seven years, something like that. But you, like most of us, you started with Rider Waite. What's your favorite deck? Ooh, okay. Um, Can you pick a favorite deck? <laughs> well, my go-to is usually Shadowscapes by Stephanie Poulin Law which people either love or hate. Um, <clears throat> it's very divisive in that manner. Um, a lot of the symbolism is close to writer weight, um, but different enough to like throw people who are hardcore traditionalists off. But the thing I like about it is it's very colorful. It's got lots of watercolor. So it kind of helps you scry with the cards. It helps you kind of tune in and access, you know, information that may not be, Mm-hmm. you know, traditional writer weight information. There's a new deck that I'm super excited about that I just uh, interviewed Arthur Wayne about on Pathios. Um, it's the true black tarot. And I just got the prototype, um, a sample of, it's not all the cards, it's like 15 or something, but it's it's amazing. The quality, the images, everything. So I think that's going to be my favorite read- deck once that is finished. It's like a year away, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's like a year away. Yeah. Yeah, that's the problem with these Kickstarter tarot things. It's like you you have to wait and wait and wait. And that's just really not fair because most of us, especially small children like myself, aren't particularly good at waiting. When I was reading that um, interview and, you know, information about the deck, and you're not the only one who's posted about it. I've seen a lot of people seem really interested in it. I keep hearing like the quality of the deck is going to be better. What does that mean? What, um, what is he doing to make the quality better? I mean, I think like Llewellyn decks are pretty good. U.S. Games decks are okay. 
I, I mean, how is it being improved upon? Okay. So it's kind of hard to explain. Um, for one, there's no light reflection at all. So, like, you don't really get the glare that sometimes you get on, like, glossy coated cards. Um, the card, the cards themselves are very thick stock, um, but not too thick. The texture is almost like this velvety, rosy. It just slides so smoothly. Um, it's super water resistant. Um, I took a quarter because he did it in the video. I took a quarter and tried scratching it for a long time and there was no mark. I mean, it's just a really durable deck. And I don't know, I, it's, it really resonates with me. The simplicity, the beauty, black and white, which are, uh, you know, I'm I'm a sucker for black and white things, so. No, I, I'm excited. I mean, I just, I wondered what that really meant, just because I've heard about it for a while and the quality and stuff. I guess I don't really read tarot enough that I worry about spilling stuff on it. Even when I used to read in bars, I was still pretty careful. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, I said that Shadowscapes is my favorite deck. I think I've gone through seven in the last three years because I read with them so much. They just, you know, they just, <laughs> they get worn out. So it, I'm really so excited to have it. You... Super... Yeah. Yeah. Here, okay. This is a strange question, but I have, I have all of my tarot decks that I've ever had. What do you do with a worn out tarot deck? Um, you know, I just don't do anything with them, honestly. They just kind of end up on a shelf. Um, I know so Lori them. uses them. Lori uses them for spells and stuff. Um, like she makes like spell cords, you know, with the cards since they're imbued with all of that energy. Um, but I don't really, I haven't done anything with them. So they're just kind of sitting busted on a shelf. <laughs> and we all, we all have. We all have those kind of things. So you've also taken courses from Devin Hunter, you know, as I yep. go through all of your teachers one by one. What did you get out <laughs> of working with Devin? Oh, I love Devin's work. Um, so Devin has a really cool um, flavor of witchcraft, I guess I would say. Um, you know, it's something I really resonate with because it has elements of, you know, the quote-unquote traditional witchcraft, um, a lot mm -hmm. of shamanic stuff, a lot of heavy spirit work, which is kind of more like folk magic, like hoodoo-y. Um, usually you have to kind of go to those traditions for that. Um, it's got an emphasis on astral projection, uh, mediumship. It's just, it's all the things I love. <laughs> so I, I adore that tradition. It's also heavily familiar-centered, uh, uh, familiar spirit-centered, which is something that I automatically resonated with. Wow. Just, you know, just I don't, I don't think I've ever really worked with any teacher but, like, my gardenerian teacher and everything else is just sort of, you know, learning through reading and just kind of doing bootstrap stuff. So when you practice, do you practice with a coven or do you practice by yourself? Um, I So that's funny because this is an article idea I was just thinking about. Um, I mostly practice solitary 
but I do do stuff with my traditions. Um, it just depends on which tradition and what time of year and what we're doing. Um, the actual coven-coven work is not something that I do at the moment. Um, in Sacred Fires, we are working on that on the East Coast. I think we're maybe like a year away from that to getting everyone to the point to where we can have our own little coven out here. But, mm -hmm. you know, I think in the end of the day, like we're all solitary, <laughs> you know, um, because most of the magic I think most people do. Well, I don't know. I can't make that assumption, but most of the magic I do is, you know, at home in my own sacred space or out in the woods or, you know, just alone, just me right. and the deities. So I, I will say in my case, it's almost always with me and Ari because she's so much better at it than I am. You know, if I'm trying to do something, <laughs> it's like, honey, can you do this for me? You're so much better at spells. And she'd be like, yeah, you need to do that. That's terribly constructed, husband. That is awful. Now you've peeked into my my love life and my relationship with my wife, but it's almost exactly like that. You write a lot about, and I never know how to say it because people say it two different ways. You write a lot about uh, Hecate or Hecate online. Can you tell us about your relationship with her? Uh, Hecate, yeah. Um, that yeah. I am reluctant to say is my main goddess. Um, because, you know, if I know one thing from classical mythology, it's not to say statements like that, or who's more powerful right. or favorite or beautiful, because that usually causes chaos. Um, but Hecate has um, been a big component of a lot of my personal gnosis, um, including, you know, there were times when she was coming to me, and I didn't quite know who she was yet. So, you know, I was like, is this the Morrigan? Like, you know, trying to figure out who it was until the symbols became a little bit clearer. But um, she's been a very huge factor in my life. Um, so I have my personal practice with her. Um, I'm taking Jason Miller's Sorcery of Hecate course. Um, I am in the Coven Covenant of Hecate, uh, with, which is Sarita DS phase. But I mean, right. I don't. What, what do you want to know? <laughs> it, it's, she's well, just such a vast I mean, subject, and my relationship is so. We have such a vast history in my my eyes. Well, so, how did you come together? How did you meet her? Um, you know, it was actually that very first temple fest. Um, I, I wrote an article about that. I wrote an article about everything, but, um, you know, I was doing different path workings and stuff like that. And first she came to me as a veiled woman and, you know, uh, later she came to me in the feast of Hecate. And when I got home, I had this intense, uh, astral experience where I was just kind of like in this void, but there was this central pillar that was like glowing. So it wasn't like a fire, but it was like a light kind of, but it was very pillar-like. And around that was, um, you know, a hecaton, like the three statued Hecate. And I remember trying to talk to the statues to like no avail, like nothing was happening. 
Um, and then Hecate as the spirit kind of emerged from the light from like beyond the statue gave me messages, um, you know, told me the shit I need to work on and then just kind of backed off like she does. Um, a lot of my experience with her is she'll come, she'll uh, work with you through something you need to work on, you know, kind of show you the options, kind of show you where, you know, you might want to go. And then she just kind of backs off um, until either you need her or, you know, you've chosen a path um, on that crossroads. So, you know, like it's, it's when I have a choice in my life, a major choice that she comes to me. So one of the things I, I'm always interested in as a believer in the gods and as somebody who worships a god that's worshipped by a lot of different people with Cardonos, are your experiences with her similar to the experiences of other devotees or are they different in a way? Um, some similarities, some differences. Um, you know, I think the gods appear to us as they need to appear to us. Um, so when she first started coming to me, she had a lot of crow and raven imagery, which, you know, a lot of people associate her with now, but is totally unhistorical. There's like no historical mm -hmm. basis for her being connected with those birds, you know, but it's something that I experienced, um, something where I thought, oh, maybe this is the Morrigan. But I think, you know, the gods change. They're, they're not stagnant figures stuck in history. Um, even if you look at just the gods in their history, in their timeline, they evolve a lot. Um, so it's ridiculous to think that they're still not changing and growing and evolving. Oh, I completely agree. You know, I get into arguments with people about that sometimes. And, you know, there's certainly a valid argument that we should look at the myths and stuff, but we have to be open to personal gnosis and the idea that the gods change. I would think yes. it just doesn't make any sense to me. And how did the first myths get written if people weren't having these experiences? Right. Right. And that's, you know, um, that actually brings two ideas to mind. So one is, you know, that's another thing I love about Devin Hunter's work is I feel he is doing work that has not happened in a very long time. Um, if we look at a lot of old occultism and traditions, a lot of it started through spirit contact, um, even like with Crowley, you know, uh, and it just, it doesn't mm -hmm. seem like it's been happening much where the spirits are coming forward and being like, hey, this is like something I want you to do, you know, here's some new ideas, things of that nature. Um, the second idea I have is in the sorcery of Hecate, um, Jason Miller made a statement that I really resonated with which is that we shouldn't allow personal gnosis to be uh, based or restrained by history, but we shouldn't also rewrite history to fit our personal gnosis. There's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> I, I, I just, I don't know. I think it's brilliant, you know, because it's this idea that both can exist without you know, having one influence the other or forcing it to be something that it's not. 
Well, I mean, really, when it all boils down to is is that your personal gnosis means something to you. It doesn't have to mean something to everybody because, as you say, the gods appear to us as they need to appear, and they're deities. I've never understood why you could put a deity in a box and limit the power and influence of a deity. If a deity wants to wear a beret one day, they can wear a beret one day. And if they want to wear a cowboy hat the next day, they can wear a cowboy hat, right? Right. And that's, you know, that's so funny because Christopher uh, said something to me in a bar that was kind of similar to that. So I was having these experiences where I thought, you know, uh, Hecate was the Morrigan. And, you know, there may have been some crossover there. I mean, because there is a lot of modern conflation, uh, which goes into a whole nother topic about the nature of deity. But, (laughs) you know, I, I told him, I was like, every time I see her, she's doing this kind of dance like uh, have you seen queen of the damned mm-hmm. yeah yeah like so Aaliyah's like character like like the the vampire mm-hmm. queen like how she kind of like effectively moves and i told christopher i was like you know i keep i keep searching i've read all these books like i've been trying to dig up information i can't find anything about her dancing and he just you know because christopher is christopher and all his <laughs> his awesomeness you know, he never really tells you anything directly when it comes to uh, spiritual information or uh, experiences. Mm-hmm. So he just posed like, well, why do you dance? You know, and my response, of course, was like, I don't unless I'm like shit-based drunk. Um, <laughs> but he's like, okay, well, why do, other, why do other people dance? And I was like, well, because they want to. And he's like, yeah. So, you know, like if the gods yeah. want to do something, if they want to appear a certain way, do something, you know, like who are we to, like you said, put them in a little box and define them. So you and I, we've been friends now, like kind of what, on Facebook, like for a year. And I probably chat with you more than I chat with anybody else because I really only pretend to really like people. And so you're like one of the few people that I will, you know, have a conversation with throughout the day, probably because both of us are just sitting in our computers writing and doing stuff. Then like most people, you know, have real jobs out there. And one of the things we often kind of will goose each other about is the idea of traditional witchcraft. Because of your work with Devin, I would assume that you identify with that label to some degree, yes? Um. So you're going to get me in trouble in lots of different areas here. <laughs> um, so I you wouldn't because on a personal level, I, I relate to a lot of the traditional uh, witchcraft work. Um, not fully. I'm not someone who's very, you know, I just love magic, you know, any sort of magic I can get my hands on and learn about and, um, you know, see what works, what doesn't. But Devin, I, I think he would be reluctant to use the word um, traditional witchcraft. I think it's one of the influences, but it's definitely not the main. It's not something we would call ourselves. Because, you know, we're also yeah. not, you know, a direct line from like Cochrane or Chumbly. Yeah, well, there there aren't a whole lot of direct lines from Cochrane anyways. I'm not sure if a letter counts as, as direct lineage. I don't you know, it's it's kind of an open question, really. 
in so many ways. And it's Cochran, the whole Cochran, this is me being a history nerd, but the whole Cochran story is especially interesting because when I first read about him 20 years ago, I didn't really know anybody doing a whole lot of anything Cochran influenced. I mean, the Finnans were in L.A., but I didn't really know who they were at the time. And, you know, there's a couple of others, but to me it felt like a dead end. And in the last five or six years, I mean, Cochran-influenced witchcraft has just sort of exploded in so many ways. You know, like 15 years ago, if you say, I have a stang, people would look at you like you were crazy. Like, what is that? Can you explain that to me? Yeah, so the Cochran thing's really changed a lot in a really short period of time. Well, I think it just kind of reflects what I think it reflects what people need right now in the world. Um, I think we're up against some very dark times, and so I think people are looking for things that are a bit darker that make them feel a bit more empowered in that way. So I think that definitely has something to do with the rise. Of that, I would agree. I also, I also think that part of it might be people are always looking for authenticity in witchcraft. You know, they want to touch something that they think is genuinely old or goes back in a magical tradition that's, you know, older than 1930s or 1950s or whatever with Gardner. And because Gardner was sort of this nexus for a while, we've researched Gardner. And it doesn't look like it's likely that it went back much further than the the 30s or the 20s. So people are looking for that other thing that maybe hits on some of these older notes, so to speak. Right. And I mean, I I think that goes back to what we were saying about people's perception of older being more valid. Yeah. I, I mean, I think paganism has always had that to some degree, though it seems to have been lessening, though the traditional witchcraft arguments have kind of brought it back up to the forefront in ways that have surprised me because I I thought that we didn't care anymore. And now apparently we really care again, or at least some people care. Um, So you talked earlier about Teen Witch being kind of an early influence. You are going to interview Silver Ravenwolf uh, relatively soon, and I'm I'm jealous because I should have tried to do that, and I you know and I didn't. So congratulations on your initiative. What kind of questions are you going to ask Silver, and how has she been an influence on you the last you know twenty some odd years? So um, I'm still formulating the type of questions to ask her <laughs> um, because you know a she was a childhood hero. Um, B, she hasn't really interviewed in a really long time. You know, even when I just pitched it to her, I was, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was so, I was just expecting her to like not respond or not say anything, but you know, she's like, Oh, well for you, you know, here's my email. So, you know, I did my inner Muppet flail. Um, so, you know, I'm still kind of formulating what I want to ask her. Um, I'm particularly curious, um, and I need to figure out how to frame this. Um, you know, I don't think anyone has taken as much public scrutiny by the pagan community as Silver Ravenwolf. So I'm really interested as someone who, who does write, someone who does have ambitions, you know, how do you not let that affect you? You know, how do you just keep 
plowing forward because, you know, that stuff sucks and that stuff can get really draining. It can really suck you into it, you know, if you're not careful. So I'm really curious about that. I'm really curious about her own craft and how it's changed. Um, she has a new book coming out soon. And I think if people, you know, regardless of what they think of Silver Ravenwolf, if they check it out, they will be pleasantly surprised. Um, because it's still silver, but it's very, um, it's not what you would expect from silver. And I talk about that a little bit in my review. But silver has been super cool. Um, she's been really supportive of my work, um, which is, you know, mind-blowing. And, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm really, really excited for this opportunity. And I don't know what else to say beyond that. Now, you talked about kind of the backlash to Silver. And, you know, I agree with you. I think it was really uh, just – it was really ridiculous and really overdone. I remember a couple years ago, I was, uh, people were trying to put together for Huffington Post – a 50 book list of like essential pagan and witch reads and they wouldn't put to ride a silver broomstick on there, which to me was ridiculous. No matter how you feel about that book, it had a profound effect on a lot of people, especially people of generation X and millennials. And I thought it was like a slap in the face to my entire generation. Absolutely. I mean, everyone, in my generation and like you said, uh, generation X that I know that is, you know, writing, teaching, um, you know, doing this type of work was hugely influenced by silver Ravenwolf. It's, it's ridiculous to try to erase her. And it's really, it's really interesting because she's an example of how you can't please everyone because the criticisms are, you know, either she's too fluffy or like, Oh, she was, you know, she was really dark about this. Like, she was really mean about, you know, <laughs> referring to the Christian God as an angry, controlling God, you know, which... I don't, well, he is. <laughs> well, I, I would agree with that. <laughs> and, you know, I think witchcraft, um, not so much as a modern practice, but as a historical idea and uh, practice, was very much... Uh, influenced by the opposition and backlash of, you know, Christianity and Christian imperialism. So we talk about sort of that more negative magic. One of the things that I've noticed a lot, you know, in the, in the blogosphere, God, I hate that word, um, and, <laughs> you know, on social media outlets, is sort of the ongoing magical resistance against Donald Trump. What are your thoughts on that? Is that a good use of our magic? Is that the kind of thing that we should be doing? Oh, my God. That's such a big question. Um, I think that's actually – that may be how I started talking to you because um, I did that article, The Hex Appeal of Activism. Um, mm -hmm. I think that may have been like the first time I reached out to you. Um, and that was right before, you yeah, know, everyone, right, it, was. it became a big deal <laughs> and there were all these organized things, but you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm of two minds of it. Um, I'm not opposed to anyone who does. Um, I'm not opposed to anyone who binds, who curses, um, because I'm not, I'm not really here to tell people what to do with their magic or what their ethics feel. 
um, if they do feel that this is a legitimate threat to their freedom, to their livelihoods, which, you know, if you look at the news, it kind of seems like that, um, you know, I can definitely see that. Um, I do not think that everyone is a cursor, though. I don't, you know, um, to create a community, to build something, to change something, take several different types of people, you know, it needs builders, it needs healers, it needs the people that tear it down. Um, so I think, you know, as long as people are engaged magically and mundanely, then, you know, they're doing the work. I like that, though. It's like this is something for some people, but it's not for everybody. And if you feel uncomfortable doing it, that's, that's fine. And if you feel comfortable doing it, that's also fine. You know, we need a little bit yeah. of both. Yeah, so for me, um, for example, um, I did engage in some workings um, quite a while back. Um, not anymore, but they weren't curses. They weren't bindings. They were more of, you know, protection on the people doing the work, especially because, you know, this has now attracted such a mainstream appeal that you have people that are um, maybe not really – See, I don't want to say that people aren't witches, but, you know, people that are just kind of doing it to be like kind of like a fuck Trump kind of thing. I'm sorry. I don't know if we can cuss. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, you know, I, I don't think curses are something that you throw around if you don't know what you're doing or even bindings, you know. So my whole intention, my whole work has been to try to, like, protect them. And, you know, especially since we have um some crazier folks who are like we're going to curse all the people binding trump you know binding him from harming other people which to me is the most ridiculous idea <laughs> you know to to be opposed to preventing someone from hurting people mhm so that's just been know, you know one of my a nice idea, I think, you know, trying to stop someone from hurting others. You know, we right, right. We put in our house. Right. You know. And that goes back to, like, the whole idea of, like, ethics. So, you know, back to the Wiccan read. If you have a rapist or a serial killer in your neighborhood and you have the ability to stop them and you don't, which action is more harm? Yeah, I I think we have a responsibility to stop those people when that when we know something like that. I'm I'm glad that pagans as a whole, I think we've gotten a lot more proactive in that. I mean, I, you weren't really a part of the community 25, 35 years ago, but it was there were some bad things that were going on and people let them happen and that just we don't do that anymore, which is a good thing. So we're running out of time. Uh, we have about five or six minutes. I don't like to be the guy who goes over with his show. I used to follow Selena. I used to follow Selena, and I love Selena. I'm a big Selena Fox fan, but, you know, if my show was supposed to start at 6 Pacific, it started at 6.10 Pacific time. You know, I was always kind of waiting around. But, you know, she's Selena. She has more to say than, than I do. Um, so you've been blogging at Papios for, like, what, eight months now, maybe? Probably maybe a little less yeah. this month. Some sometime in summer, I and, think like the beginning of summer. 
has blogging for kind of a high-profile outlet like that uh, changed how people see your writing? Has it changed what you write? Have you been surprised at any of the sort of, I don't know, reception to some of your articles? <laughs> Insanely surprised. Um, you know, I I was looking at my analytics the other day, and I realized, you know, the really dark stuff and the really more new agey stuff are the most popular stuff. Um, like my Doreen Virtue article, which is like not a subject I even care about. It's more about how it's more of a response to people's reactions to someone doing something like that. But that's right now that is my most visited article, like since I've started Patheos. And I'm just like, damn it, I want something other than Dor- Doreen Virtue to be, you know, that top one. Well, you know, it's it's amazing what Patheos does in that it's because it's a site with like all these other blogs and some of them are really, really well read. Not not the pagan ones, you know, in terms of like global reach, but because we piggyback on those, we show up pretty highly in Google searches. And if you type in Doreen Virtue Pagan, the fourth article that shows up in the search engine is yours. Which is wow. probably one of the reasons that you get a lot of traffic from that. Which is cool. That's great. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. You know, thinking about how much stuff is written about her. <laughs> I was surprised when all that came out because I kind of know who she is, but don't really care in any way, shape, or form. And like some of the <laughs> reactions to it really caught me off guard. Yeah, yeah, me too, me too, which is why I wrote the article. Um, you know, because I started the Patheos blog like a lot of my first initial things were more about, you know, focusing on your own practice, not focusing on the practice of others or what other people do. So I can see how people could be hurt whether they followed her or they feel like her conversion, the thing she said was an attack on their beliefs and community. But it's just like, come on, like, you know, with our belief system, like, we, this is nothing. Like, this is something we should totally be used to, you know, having our gods called demons and, you know, stuff like that. Where, yeah, that's just kind of par for the course for us. You know, right. And we've had ex, ex-Wiccans do that stuff. Uh, there's yep. an old Alexandrian priest who left the craft in the 70s, and his books are hilarious about how, you know, he finds Satan at the third degree and all that kind of garbage. But he makes a nice living, you know, talking to crazy evangelicals who uh, want yeah, to believe those where, things. That's where the money's at. Um, and that was one of the yeah. theories of Doreen's conversion. But to me, it doesn't really matter. I don't think we should focus on why she did it. You know, it's. I think it's yeah. easier for me to say that because I'm not really influenced by her. I've never resonated with her. You know, it's always been kind of sticky sweet, um, Mm -hmm. fast food spirituality to me. Well, I always think that if I'm ever, like, out of money or something and, you know, the (laughs) pagan community just manages to piss me off, you know, that'll be my job one day. I'll be at the the evangelical churches telling my story, (laughs) you know. Please. Well, I mean, like this. Never, this, never let that happen. This isn't the most lucrative path that we've chosen. 
And I think that's a big misconception by people too. Yeah. So, you know, we wanted to do it. We pretty much do it now. (laughs) I mean, teachers, writers, readers, even shop owners for the most part, this is not a place to make money. This is something you do out of love. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of sacrifices I had to make um, to do this this, you know, trust and jump into this. So where do you see yourself in 10 years? Are you, are you writing a book now? Are you going to be writing a book? Um, so um, as a Pisces, um, I am very easily distracted and scatterbrained and juggle all these different ideas. So I think I've started five different books, <laughs> but, you know, um, I was trying to figure out, like, well, how can I get structure? How can I, you know, put that structure into writing? Because I'm, I'm the type of person, like, blogging is perfect for me because I kind of just write when inspiration strikes. You know, it's just something short, something to the point. Um, so what I've been doing is I've been taking my workshops and just slowly expanding my notes, um, and that's helping me mm-hmm. build a structure. I also enjoy the platform of blogging because it is kind of quick and easy, and writing is a lot harder, I think, unless you're Laura Zakroff, and then writing is something you can do super easy and spit out 8,000 words in two days, you know, let's say yeah, like a month for me. She's one of those people who can do anything, you know, and, and does everything fantastically. I know. I, I hate that. I write books. I dance. <laughs> I can do art. You know, I can barely do one of those things. I certainly can't do all three, you know. Right. So we're out of time. Um, and it's been really great, and you were fabulous. My wife's here. I have to give her have to give her a kiss. Can you say hi to Matt? Hi, Matt. There you go. That's my wife. Hi, Harry. Now you've formally been introduced. <laughs> so if people want to find you online, where can they do so? Um, well, I am easily Googleable. Um MattOren.com. Um, I do readings through MattOrenTarot.com. They can find me on Patheos for puck's sake. Um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I mean, I pretty much, <laughs> I think I have a social media account everywhere. So just Google me. I'm easy to stalk. And it's yeah, A-U- I, I kind of do it. A-U-R-Y-N. A-U- is or. Like I've, I feel like I stalk you every day almost <laughs> just because you're like the one person I talk to. Anyways, you were great, Matt. Nothing nothing to worry about here like doing blogs and blog or podcasts. You're a pro. Oh. This was an easy <laughs> interview. You're really good at this. Oh, thanks for having me on. Um, hopefully I didn't come across thanks. Uh, too nervous. <laughs> Oh, you were great. Thanks thanks for being here. There's a spiral dance, Spirit of the Green, from the Green Album. And this is a debut again here on Pagan's Tonight Radio Network, the Pagan Variety Show. The Green Album, get it now. Thank you. 
drawing breath around us from the earth into the trees. By soil and shoot, stem and root, by leaf and bark and limb, we keep alive the wisdom of the Lord and Lady Green. And the wild man of the woodland is watching from the different. 
you know, and, and I, I think that a lot of people, when they think pagan music, they think, you know, uh, folky or new agey, and they don't realize how how much of a, a, a spectrum there is. Again, you know, I have to, I always quote Brad from Murphy's Midnight Rounders, pagan is a topic and it's not a genre. And uh, <laughs> that's what you, yeah, that's what you get here in the, the album is you, you get the topic is green and it's not necessarily pagan. And that's one of the things I love about this album too is you can play this anywhere. You don't have to, you know, Dr. Susan's already saying, I can't wait to do this for Ritual. I can't, this would be great to play this in Ritual. But this is something that you could play, like, on an Earth Day celebration, you know, totally mainstream. Absolutely. This is this is something that you could play with your, uh, I, I'm looking forward to share it with, with the UU church that I go to because they're they're really into uh, recycling and green energy and things like that. So anyone who, who has that, love for for the earth and, and, and ecological things would love this album because of that. But then again, one of the other things that I love about this album is anyone who has a love of good music and especially independent music would love this album too because it's a very good cross spectrum of of the artists, of the of the work that, that's out there that goes to all the festivals. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that's true of of most of all of these artists is that the music that they create comes from not just their pagan beliefs, but so many more. Because I'm, I'm universalist, and so I have many different... Um, I mean, I, I believe that all paths to the light are are one. I mean, eventually flowing into the same ocean. And um, so a lot of what I sing about is just that search. It's just about uh, about my path there. And I think that's true for all of the different pagan artists that I've met is that they each have a very individual uh, pursuit of the divine and, and a different way of expressing it. And, yes, it's not a genre. Very well put, Brad. I got to meet him. We have touched base many times over the years, over the past couple of years and um had not met yet until this till caldera and it was so great to finally meet him and uh talk to him and he's he is so great it was so much fun talking to him and getting to know him and listening to Murphy's because i'd never heard them before live and so it was just <laughs> yeah that was that was fabulous but he very well put because right as you were talking about it i was thinking yeah it's not a genre it's not it's not something you can nail down. It's it's no. very very different. Yeah, well that's that's Brad. Brad's Brad's an interesting person to talk to. I can just imagine uh meeting him for the first time. I haven't met him face to face and today is the first time that that you and I have met face to face. You're actually, you know, in the other room. So when when my significant <laughs> other came home, he didn't realize that you're talking to me on that phone. So today <laughs> it's so, so great it's so great to finally meet you Pamela and to be in your world and to get to do this and afterwards to be able to hug you and be able to actually sit and talk with you some more I've enjoyed just being here has been so great <laughs> yeah it's like hey you want to play on your computer fine cool <laughs> I'll be over here on mine 
no, this is this is a lot of fun. I really enjoy uh being able to, to help, you know, to, to hang out with you and um hopefully be able to, to meet because I couldn't, you know, I've got my health problems, I couldn't go to Caldera Fest. So this is kind of like my my I got to meet Mama Gina before and then I get to, to hang out with you afterwards. And and everyone that's listening to the to the show that's like rolling their eyes, if you would like to help out any of the artists as they're on the road, if you see where they're going, now now I'm saying this, you know, be safe because I was joking with Ginger earlier, saying that I, I was playing some some uh, pagan music earlier while I was getting ready, and I thought about playing some of Ginger's stuff, but I thought it would be really weird if she came in and we're like listening. We were sitting in the dark in the in the house. <laughs> oh, we've been expecting you. <laughs> Come in. There's like an altar of ginger doss stuff that uh, <laughs> we've summoned her. The spell is working. <laughs> yeah, uh, that would have been a little weird. I might have had to uh, run screaming, but. <laughs> So if you're one of those type of fans, maybe not apply. <laughs> but if you just, you know, love love music and, and hopefully can be able to set up like a house concert, I was hoping to be able to do that for you. But if you have a bunch of friends that are, are fans um, and you look at, you know, Reverb Nation is a good place to see where, you, where you're going to be, right? And you, were, you and I were discussing this before the show. You have a Facebook event for the entire tour. So yes. people follow you on Facebook, they can see where you're going on your tour. Yes, absolutely. And it's on my website, um, gingerdoss.com slash shows. And I will be at, in Asheville uh, this weekend, Sunday, at the Block Off Biltmore. I'm doing a meditation workshop starting at 2 o'clock. And then I'm going to be playing uh, music after. It's going to be an awesome, chill uh, late back um, afternoon, and it's a really great venue. And then afterwards, um, I'm I'm headed out to Maryland Ferry Fest, and after that, um, F- FSG in Maryland on the same land as uh, Marin- Maryland Ferry Fest. So I'll be in that area for a couple of weeks, and then headed down after that uh, to play St. Louis. And so. Um, yes, I would love to see any and you know, all of you, and I would love to represent the Green Album wherever I go and uh, spread the love. And really, really looking forward uh, to these gigs. Uh, and speaking of which, we already brought it up. If you want to get a physical copy of the Green Album while they last, you have to find the artists as they are. Uh, as they're traveling around in your area, I gotta say Darren's been a really good good uh, person showing up every week and, and participating in chat. And Darren Darren uh, in chat has already said I downloaded my copy at 8, 8 p.m. this evening. <laughs> He's already <laughs> doing an amazing album. So thanks, Darren. Awesome, Darren. It's funny because Darren has like the the we're talking about it. The the um, he does the emoticon that's like the rock on with the fingers. Dude, and it, it reminds it reminded me of the conversation because one of the things that I'm really loving about having you here is I'm kind of getting a little bit of Texas, you know, uh, I'm, I'm homesick for Texas, so we're talking about Texan things, and uh, you were saying Linda, what <laughs> doing the I love you? What was what was? That? Yeah, yeah, we were doing we were taking a picture and we were doing the I love you, uh, you know, the sign language for I love you. 
and she put her thumb forward and did hook em horns instead. <laughs> and uh, I just, I, when I saw the picture, I'm like, no, that's hook em horns. <laughs> Only people from Texas are going to know what you're talking about. But it's also the rock. Well, actually, there's a slight difference between the rock, you know, uh, the rock, rock horns on, yeah. and the the um, <laughs> the horns. The hook'em horns has a little bit of a snout, and uh, the rock on has the uh, thumb across the two fingers in the center. So just a slight difference, but, yeah, hook'em horns and rock on is basically the same thing. <laughs> Yeah, I, I have to, to I'll have to tell you that what I did is I, I put my fingers up like the 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 thumb and the pinky finger and I said at least you didn't do this, which anyone in Texas <laughs> would know is Gigam Aggies. So and there's a big huge rivalry between U T, which is Hook'em Horns, and Texas A and M which is Gigam Aggies. So <laughs> But yeah, I got a little bit of my, my Texas we're already scoffing at Liz Hamilton, who's here as well, when she's like, it's really hot. We're like, this is like springtime in San Antonio. <laughs> I think that's totally, totally. Yeah, we, we walked out. <laughs> I, I'm very comfortable. It's It's been the weather. I've just been so lucky. I mean, there's been all this crazy weather everywhere. And I just, uh, except earlier when we were camping in Indiana, earlier this month, and it was in the 30s when we were camping. It was a little Ooh. chilly then. We were, we were, yeah, I had a little frost on the edges in the morning, um, but it was still fun. We still had a great time. But I'm, I'm glad it's warmed up just a bit. But it can stop now. It doesn't have to get any warmer <laughs> than this. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't have to get any warmer than this. Um, yeah, this is pretty nice, though. It's it's really beautiful here with with all the trees and the hills and everything. Uh, Texas, oh, yes. we don't really have that. Yeah, but there's there's some crazy weather going. I I kind of want to talk about it because you were you were bringing up if you want to talk about the Mansfield the thing going on in in Texas with all the rains. I mean, I I worry about all my my family and friends that are there uh, with all the rain that they're having. It seems pretty. Pretty bad. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, we needed all that rain. And so even though, I mean, certainly not the flooding. We did not need the flooding. Um, and there were a lot of people that suffered as a result. And But the community has come forward and has helped so many people, which is awesome and um, is so needed. Uh, but the rivers and and the lake had gone way down as a result of years of drought and everybody was talking about okay this is we this is changing the future of of Texas we we're, we're going to have to really rethink you know uh, water conservation and it was presenting all kinds of problems and we were kind of bracing for this kind of weather pattern that had been uh pervasive over the last few years and then suddenly it's the exact opposite, and we're just getting deluged right. and flooded off the charts. So we, it was great for a while. We were like, okay, this is great. We're we're filling back up, and but now they're actually. I saw something on Facebook just briefly. I I noticed somebody had posted something about Mansfield Dam. Uh, they had opened the floodgates there, and that, uh, you know, I haven't really. I've been kind of out been out at festival, and I haven't been watching the news, so I'm not real sure what's been going on lately. Somebody is listening from Texas wants to fill us in. Give us a call. 
uh, and afterwards I will go and look up what's been going on because I'm kind of out of the loop, but I just know for my family in Houston, it's just been raining constantly. Right. Well, I I, I saw a picture of uh, of the, the mosquitoes down in Houston that, you know, people were uh, talking about how there was a cloud of mosquitoes. <laughs> That's a lot of stuff that happens when when uh, the weather goes crazy. And you were talking about the you know getting used to the the lack of of water. Uh, where I was in Texas, in North Texas, there was a talk about the town becoming a ghost town. Businesses were were coming up with plans of leaving because it was becoming a desert. And we actually made international news because we became the first municipality that was recycling straight recycling our toilet water. A lot of places your water goes into the, the, the watershed again uh, or, you know, the streams and stuff. And then down the stream, they they pull it out and, and do the, the processing and all that. But, no, we were just going straight straight from the toilet back through the system. And, yeah, woo that's what we were living. <laughs> and then within uh, last year, within three weeks, we went from, from having a historical flood to uh, – to, uh, the flood was the the, the, the uh, it was all gone. <laughs> there was no yeah. more no more yeah. flood. Uh, sorry, no more flood. More no more drought in in uh, three weeks. So it's pretty wild. Yeah. But this is all. I'm not going to go into anything political about you know climate change or global warming. You come up with with whatever you think is happening. I say the clues are out there. You figure it out. But that's all the more reason why this album exists as well, which is, is kind of a weird way of me bringing this up. This album was not just, hey, let's sing songs about the earth. When when the concept of this album came out, it had to be more of just, let's sing songs about the earth. Let's sing songs about the earth, and let's do something about the earth. Let's do something. So 25% of the proceeds of this album goes to, do you want to take it from here, Ginger? <laughs> Rainforest Trust, and um, they are a fabulous organization, and uh, all of us put a little bit into trying to figure out where the money would best uh, go, and that was an impossible task. There are a lot of, of very um, good organization, environmental organizations out there, and this one is I, I encourage you to, to look them up, uh, Rainforest Trust, and there are links uh, to them on my website as well as uh, thegreenalbum.net, which is the place to go for all things Green Album. And it talks about what they do. They preserve not only rainforest through um, the gathering of funds and to, to preserve and protect rainforest so that it doesn't get completely stripped away, but also to preserve its species. And uh, they... Their facts on their website is, is pretty amazing, the work that they've been able to do. And um, so, you know, we can't control the weather, obviously, but we can, there are things that we can do. And taking care of our planet is something we can do if we all work together. And that's something that is going to help in, in whatever changes uh, this living planet is going to go through. Um, it's up to us to to do the best we can to take the best care of her so that uh, so that she can be healthy and, and strong to to preserve all life on this planet. 
Well, I will give you something about rainforests and 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 what you the weather. Um, the rainforests, in some uh, some ways of thinking, they kind of see the rainforest as like the lungs of the planet. Yeah. You know, that's where we get a lot of a lot of our fresh air, a lot of you know the 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 filtering of air, and a lot of weather comes from the the tropical zone, the, the where the rainforests are. And that's where a lot of our hurricanes are are born. A lot of weather comes from there. And when the rainforests are gone, there is a, a definite change in weather patterns. Um, again, not going to go into anything political because people can go <laughs> figure this stuff out for themselves. But there's a, a very important reason that you, we need to, to focus on, on keeping the rainforests. Uh, around for as long as we can. One of the other things too is is the the amount of of medicines that have not yet been discovered. There's uh, we went to go see my significant other and I uh, went to go see Diana Beresford Kroger, who is a, a chemist and a, a botanist, and she has basically like Noah's Ark up in Canada of trees and plants. So a lot of endangered wow. plants and such she she's created this like Noah's Ark. And I haven't gone to see if any of the wildfires have threatened that. I just hope that they haven't. I hope it's nowhere near her. <laughs> but I haven't checked <sighs> for sure. But she she's been a pioneer in in the you know, the pharmaceutical not and when I say pharmaceutical I'm not talking about big pharma. I'm talking about you know the, the the medicines that you get from trees. The the ancient knowledge that we've lost, that we now have because we we have the the scientific knowledge that we have now, we can make it. You know more like, you know you think about witches of ancient time. They're like, oh, have a little bit of sprig of this and and press it on that, uh, and make mm-hmm. a tea of this. And it was seen as magic. Back in the day, oh, she's consorting with the devil because he was about to die, and now he's better. Now we understand that that's medicine, and now we have mm-hmm. far more knowledge at our at our fingertips to make make this medicine reality. But if we're cutting down the rainforest, if we're cutting down this access to all these these new medicines and and antibiotics, and you know all sorts of stuff that, that could help save <laughs> lives, that's all the more reason to, to help give to to uh, to this album. That's where we come back. Uh, yes, I'm talking about the album still. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It's it's so, so important, and I was so happy that uh, they chose that organization, and uh, they have been awesome working with us um, through this whole process, and uh, and it's just been it's been a pleasure working with them. They're they they've got their act together over there, and they've been wonderful people. They're wonderful people to work with, and it's just been it's been a real pleasure. And I just appreciate everything that they do, and I'm so happy to be giving back uh, in that way to them. Yes, and so this is where we as as fans give back as well, because you know I'm not. I'm like so. I, I think I've got very well earned the reputation of trying of, of being very anti-pirating things, <laughs> and and I'm not naive. I know people will probably try to share the album, 
with their friends. And all I can say is what you're doing when you do that is you're, you're not only are are you cheating. <laughs> it's funny. Becca's saying, if she's talking about, yes, we're still talking about the album and we're talking about Rainforest Trust. Uh, the Not only are you cheating the artists, because you guys, this is this is your work. This is your bread and butter. This is not just, you know, hey, I think I'll just play songs. <laughs> this is this is what you do. Not only are you cheating artists if you if you if you steal this music, and I, I hate you know people are going to freak out at that word, but you know you got to be honest about it. Um, you're also cheating the the Rainforest Trust and the whole spirit behind this album. Because there is that spirit, that theme of of not only just being lovers of the earth, whether it's pagan or uh, Becca says it's a lifestyle. Yes, <laughs> it is a lifestyle mm-hmm. to love the earth and have that connection with the earth. So this is your chance to to not only you know enjoy the music, but to to know that you're you're giving back to to the earth. So. Um, I, I hate to get on my soapbox about that stuff, but but it's important to me to make sure that. Well, that yes, out. and you should you should express you should express those things if they're important to you, and and that's what this this platform is about. It's about being able to communicate uh, important topics and and share thoughts, uh, share all of our thoughts with each other, and to to have this conversation. Um, it's very important to 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 talk about because. We are all living in very, you know, very comfortable environments. It wasn't always that way. We weren't, we didn't mm-hmm. used to be so separate from the earth. And this is why I love uh, camping. And when I have the opportunity to actually sleep outside, and, and you know, although I do have a tent around me, but it's nice to be on the ground and, and to hear the, mm-hmm. the, the trees and the wind. And sometimes, yes, it's a little bit miserable. If it gets a little hot or really hot or if it gets really cold, I still, those times are so special to me because I can be close again and I, it changes me. I feel it renew mm-hmm. me. I feel it um, ground me. And it's, our connection to the earth is so crucial and um so you know that's why i love you know this this project is so amazing on so many different levels but if it can help to remind people and make people more mindful about the fact that this is our home this planet and we have to take care of her because uh she is responsible for the lives that we have the ability to be alive and to experience this life all comes from this beautiful planet that we share I want to play your song again. <laughs> I really do. Because <laughs> it's like that's that's the song. That's that's it. Gaia lives, and and we're all part of that. We're all part of the, of the 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 system. We're all part of the of the the planet. Every each and every one of us is is very important to 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 being part of this planet and to keep it going. I, I love. Like when you came to when you came into my house, one of the first things I did was take you outside and start pointing out I've got honeysuckles there, and we're talking about the difference between uh, between Texas and here. It's you know I love Texas, I really do, and I I was yeah. I joke about you know it's it's so green here. There's so many trees here, and part of me is like oh I I can't see. <laughs> I 
50 miles. But I love the trees, but I also miss miss Texas. You know, that's find the beauty wherever you live. There's always beauty yep. in nature. Yep. I'm Meet looking at those awesome nature. pictures on your on your uh on your TV screen, the you know, the the the, the Google <laughs> The slideshow thing? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh and so it's awesome to see these pictures uh going by while we're talking about it because it's just it is a paradise. This this is paradise, and um, yes, it's not always uh, maybe um, hospitable, but it is beautiful, and it is divine, and it is uh, so perfect within its own structure, uh, it, and it's a miracle. I mean, when you think about yeah. all the different environments in space in the universe, uh, that everything came together like it did to make this world and the life that lives on it is just is so amazing to me. It's so it's such a miracle and such a blessing. And um it's important for us to, to take a little time, you know, uh every so often to, to remember that and really think about it and contemplate it and uh that's what this this one of the great things about this record is you can listen to it and stay in that space for a while and really really think about every step you take and that that was the thing that with my song it's like the first thing that came through when I started to open up to the writing process of the song I started thinking about every step I take I take because there is earth below me because the mm-hmm. earth the very existence of the earth is provides a path for every step I will take in my life. And um, so that's why I, the saying step, step, step was a, was a theme in my song. And so there's so many great songs on the record. So many great songs. I love, yep. I love them all. They're, they're all, it's like I'm sitting here trying to figure out which songs, because I'm not going to be able to play the whole album. So I'm trying to figure out. So I will tell you one thing. Becca is so nice to be in, in chat and participate in chat, that it, and, and it would be a no-brainer that I was going to play Tuatadea's song. So I am going to play Tuatadea's Green Album song uh, at Yay. some point tonight. So stick around for that one. Uh, we played Spiral Dance because Spiral Dance did make it to Caldera Fest. So I, I'm going to play Kellyana's because Kellyana also did make it to, to Caldera Fest. Uh, and and we might I I don't know if we'll play any other songs from there we might if I can if I have the time and um, I had an open invitation for for the artists that they wanted to come by and say hi that I would I'd try to get their songs on but it is there is not a bad song on this and it is the theme about it is it, it's so hard to try to put it into into words here so what I'm going to do is say a little bit about what what Becca just said from from Tuatadea. Uh we were talking about Ginger Song being the first one on the album and everyone has said it's a no brainer that Ginger Song be the first one because you set the mood. And the the rest of the album she you know, Becca says is an emotional roller coaster. Uh you know, you have <laughs> You have, oh, things are beautiful, and you have, oh, we need to make sure we save this. And, uh, you know, the Gina, Mama Gina song uh, is very powerful with the, you know, if you lose these things, these animals, these, hers is due north about about bears and the bear hunts. 
in in Florida. There's a bear on your lose. there's a bear on your TV right now. <laughs> right when right when you were talking about it, a bear shows up on the television. <laughs> but it happens to Mama Gina. That is so cool. <laughs> Whoa, that is so cool. I have to try to dig up the doors now. But uh, it's, you know, <laughs> Becca's like, but why? Can't you play the whole thing? <laughs> I, I would love to. I'd love to play the whole thing. One of the reasons why is the show is only, and this is something that, that Danny and I were talking about today, the show is only an hour, about an hour and a half long. Um, the album, we've already talked quite a bit. The album is longer than most albums. I can't remember the exact amount. I don't know if you know it or if Becca can can pop it up in chat. But the album is longer than, than most. Yeah, it's 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 over an hour, so it would be difficult to play the whole album. But it's it's a great album. So, uh, where was I going with this? I was going to talk about buying the album. <laughs> Buy the album. Buy the album. Give to the Rainforest Trust. I guess that's all I need to say is buy the album. Uh, <laughs> Seventy-five minutes. So that's what, that's not quite an hour and a half. So very cool. Um, yes. We're talking about the emotional roller coaster. That there's all different types yes. of songs on this album. Yes. Uh, you know, the, I, I like Celia's. As soon as you hear it, you're like, yeah, that's Celia. And you know, she's talking about mass consumerism and what it does to to uh, to nature and our connection with the earth. So. <laughs> yeah, so. she. I I, lo- I got to hang out with her. I had met her a while back, but I hadn't seen her. Our paths hadn't crossed. We we crisscross each other a lot, but um, it was so so great to meet her. And her her song is hilarious and very poignant. And you know, I just I love that about her. She she brings the humor and. Uh, and also brings a great message with it. And the, the production on her song is, is so much fun. It's so great. I know what I was going to say now. And you brought it, you, you brought it to, to my, my mind uh, again. If you can't hear these songs, if you can't download this, this album tonight or when you're listening to the, this podcast, um, you can always go to the Green Album Facebook page, and is it on the greenalbum.net as well? The lyrics for all the songs are, have been available for a long time. Yes, the, the lyrics are on, uh, yes, the greenalbum.net. So um, we did post um, a long time ago, but you'd have to probably scroll back quite a bit to get right. uh, the post, the individual posting of lyrics, but they are all... On each of the, um, when you go to the greenalbum.net page, um, uh, you just go to the individual artist and their song, um, and the lyrics are right there. Okay, so that's one thing that you can do to kind of get a, a feel of what's being said on each song. But again, getting the album is the best thing to do. Now, uh, a lot of the Caldera Fest and Green Album pages and, and people who are connected to those pages. Uh, Tossadea, Groupie, Celia, you're going to see some of the, if not all of the songs or part of the songs from Caldera Fest. Again, two artists weren't able to make it. One was Spiral Spiral Dance, who I played already, The Spirit of the Green. So I'm going to go ahead and play uh, Kellyanna's song from the Green album now, Sing for the Day. This is Kellyanna, Pagan Music Project. On, uh, actually, no, it's called Pagan Friday Show now. 
for the glow on the horizon that heralds each unfolding day. And the first few rays of sunshine that chase the morning dew away. Hippie-licious. 
she said she was kind of going for a, like a Janis Joplin type feel, and and I I think she 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 got a very Earth Day kind of feel with that. Like I can imagine people like sitting outside, rocking back and forth, holding hands, uh, just very very cool. We we missed having her there so much, and uh, we we did a festival up in Canada together, and um. I missed seeing her, uh, but I think I think I'm going to see her in a couple of weeks, and I'll be able to to rock out with her. <laughs> that would be so cool. To, uh, yeah, she's she's going to be at uh, FSG up in Maryland um, in a couple of weeks, so we get to I get to see her then, so I'm excited. Awesome. And when I was thinking, when I was listening to it, she was talking about fireflies, and I was sitting there saying, I want to end this show at some point and go out and watch the fireflies with you, because I don't know where you're at in Texas if you've got a lot of fireflies. But I no, have one summer. No, we don't summer. have any. Yeah. Well, and lightning bugs, fireflies, whatever you want to call them. I got corrected. In North Carolina, I guess they're called lightning bugs. But I've, I've called them both. Uh, but I guess because I'm such a firefly fan from the science fiction. I'm much rather call them fireflies. Uh, Danny made it in chat, too. Danny from Pothidea. He's like, oh, I made it. What's so up, you. Danny? Yay. It's, it's funny. All the people are going to miss this hanging out. This is your chance to miss out or miss out to hang out with Danny and Becca and Darren and Ginger and Pam, and <laughs> we're, we're having lots of fun. And, and the guests. <laughs> They, I don't. If you want to, anyone who signs in on the guest account, uh, you can get a, a free account uh, from uh, Blog Talk Radio if you want to, and that that just means that you can you know participate in chat. And we we actually have somebody calling in listening too. So well, welcome who who else is calling in? Everyone that's listening to this this show, thank you so much for supporting uh, Pagans Tonight Radio Network and the artists because. One of the things that me, as the the radio person, what I thought would be really cool about an album like this is I got to know you and your music since I've started doing the show. Same with Kaliana, same with Spiral Dance, same with Tuatadea, and it's it's nice to be able to make friends and have you over at my house now and, and really mm-hmm. get to know you. But um, a lot of people... You know, they. I get a lot of questions. I, I used to get a lot more questions of what are good pagan bands out there. And and again, when I say pagan, not a genre, but a topic. People who who have that connection with the spiritual and with the earth and things that that pagans find important. Um, but with with learning about this, you know, with with doing this show, I got to learn more about who's out there, and. Mm-hmm. You know, you have people who are fans of, of Ginger Doss, either through, you know, Dream Tribe. They might have not, might remember you from Dream Tribe. Liz was asking about Velvet Hammer. I'm sorry, say that again? Liz was asking me earlier about Velvet Hammer. Oh. Is that? Yes. <laughs> yeah, Velvet Hammer is um, was the first... Uh, really big band that I was in, and um, it was just um, a monster band. It was an all-female band. You can go on YouTube. There's some um, YouTubes out there. Uh, you have to kind of dig 
for them. Um, I think there's only one like actual produced video, but uh, yes, um, Darwin Prophet, who is is uh, my one of my dearest and oldest friends in the world, who uh, plays just the most awesome music. You can find her at darwinprophet.com. Uh, and Linda Millard, who now plays with me uh, and tours with me all the time. Um, she had to go back to Texas just after Caldero, and I'm missing her terribly. <laughs> but we will be out on the road again very soon. Um, and uh, she and then um, uh, Katrina Lasberg was the drummer. And uh, we also for a time had a, a lead guitarist, uh, Robin Beecham, and she is now in L.A. just rocking, just she's doing all kinds of awesome things out there. And um, so, yeah, we just, we were an all-female kind of prog rock band at a time when prog rock was not popular. (laughs) And um, we were, but we, we made a lot of waves, and it was an awesome thing, and we got a lot of attention, and we got signed uh, to... Uh, Polygram Island Publishing and uh, were developed and had a lot of record label attention and it just was like it was kind of a sad uh, story what happened we just we got um, I'm trying to make this a short story we got we got courted by the labels and then told well here's what we need you to do you know and they they basically wanted us to change um, and start writing pop songs and dress and um, more, uh, you know, try, everybody yeah. else was singing. We were all singing lead, too. They wanted one person to sing lead. We had all this harmony, and, and they just, they really wanted to change what we are, and eventually it, it broke us up because it was, there was just so much pressure. And and so Linda and I stayed together and formed Dream Tribe after that band, and we, by that time, had already started playing, Velvet Hammer played some of the uh, pagan festivals back in um, the late 90s, early 2000s, um, and so we started um, we started playing out a lot more. Dream Tribe, um, we 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 hit a lot a lot of festivals and started doing the festival circuit because the music that we did, both Linda and I were writing spiritual songs, and I had done a lot of my spiritual journey. Um, first started with my discovery of the Native American spiritualities. Uh, so I had written some songs uh, from that. And then as we started to, um, which were very earth-centered, and um, mm-hmm. like I have a song called The Four Directions, um, which came from that time. I love that and, one. And <laughs> so, um, and, then, and then just being in that world and learning more, and as my spiritual journey evolved, I started writing more and more about it. And... Um, which you know, and and as a result, I've I've continued to grow, and this is why I've I consider myself universal. If you even have to put me in a box, um, and all my music is it uh, it reflects that. And um, so anyway, it's been a journey. But Velvet Hammer is always. I mean, it's it was such an awesome band, and I was very very proud to be in it. And everyone who's in it is still, I'm very close with everybody in the band still, and. Just love them all. They are part of my heart and soul, and that that project will always be near and very dear to me. 
Well, that's that right there. You illustrated one of the things of why I'm so fiercely, you know, why I get on that 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 soapbox about supporting independent music, because when you sign with a label, they try to change you, and especially female bands. Uh, you know, the Bangles, very talented, mm. very talented band, but they kept trying to push Susanna Hoffs up to be the lead singer, and it, and she wasn't the lead singer. Uh, you know, taking away from the the sisters and and uh, that whole band. I I got to meet Katrina from Katrina and the Waves when I was in England, and oh my gosh, what an amazing talent! But if you remember her from from her videos, she wanted to wear her chuckies. She wanted to dress you know normal, and they kept trying to push her out <laughs> to be you know vixen, and she's like, that's not me yeah. either. Uh, so if you love what you hear from from these musicians, you need to support them so they can continue with with this dream, with with giving you the music. You know that's that's how it goes. And and when you're when you're talking about uh, the difference between somebody that's on a label, you know, as opposed to somebody that's doing this because this is their calling and this is what they love. This is when you get a better chance of of connecting with the artist. This is where you get to go to to Caldera Fest and uh, Pagan Spirit gatherings and and meet the artists and and be part of the music and support. This. You're not stealing from from Sony or Polygram or any of the other labels when you take music. God, I'm sounding so horribly like preachy about this, but you're not. You're you're really not. You're taking from from the community. So, so do what you can to support uh, thegreenalbum.net. Gosh, it sounds like a telethon, Ginger. <laughs> <laughs> We're trying to save pagan music. We need music. to have a, like We're a digital display. Save. Okay, we've almost reached our goal. <laughs> no, but uh, no. And, and one one of the things I love after that experience with Velvet Hammer and seeing, because I had no idea what that was like until I I went through it and and um, we met with. A staff songwriters because we were uh, they couldn't they wanted us to have a pop song and we we didn't have one so they met and so I was like what this is why I do this I write my own music don't make me do someone else's song of you know and you wouldn't believe how humiliating some of those sessions were because they were like oh, okay I've got this great song idea for you it's called Flash to Flash. And it's like I start writing with the, I start writing with, and he didn't even have an English accent, but I just felt like that worked for the the story. <laughs> Winter says I shouldn't ruin a good story by staying too close to the truth, so um, I, I he just posted that <laughs> today, and I thought that was hilarious. So. Um, but no, it's it's true. That that was a song title they wanted us to write. They wanted us to be, you know, just. Uh, they just wanted us to be, I don't know, sex symbols. They just wanted us to just be out there and sexual. And that was the main thing they saw in the group. And it was just like, that's not, I mean, of course, we're sexual beings, but that's not what we're about. That's not what this music is about. And that's not how you're going to sell us, you know? And so, um, okay, I kind of got off on a rant. I'm not sure where I was going with this. No, 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 that's good. That's good. No, we're talking about, about what, what labels oh, oh, oh. do. When they get a hold of you, yes. and then they were they were like writing the songs or wanted, telling you what kind of songs you you wanted to write, and and, and we could say that about the Green Album kind of sort of because you were told write songs about 
fierce. But but again, everyone and I, absolute I, what freedom. Kept hearing, yeah, we had so we had absolute freedom to do whatever we want, and that's what you're that's what you're getting in in the pagan music world is is purity. Every artist that is writing their songs and even covering other songs that are important to them, it is so pure. It's all the artist. And you just, I mean, granted, there's so much great music just in the world in general. And the the, the, the big stars that have made it and some of those that are out there that we all know and love uh, have access to brilliant producers that come in and just polish it and they're working at the best studios for thousands and thousands of dollars each project, sometimes millions of dollars. They're spending millions of dollars on videos and on touring and on production and on live performances and it's amazing. It's awesome. Um, in, the, in the pagan world though, in, in we've had, and it's starting to get better and better and better it's so pure right now, and that's such a beautiful gift, and it's it's so um, special that that what you're hearing is not diluted. Um, you're getting the raw, the raw music, and um, I just I love that. I love that about this community. Yes. yes, and and again, that's that's where that's where I was leading to when I was going to this. Is is you know you might have people who know. Ginger Doss, or might know Velvet Hammer, or might know Dream Tribe, or you might get somebody who knows uh, Tuathadea, or you might get somebody who knows. And I'm going to go through. I'm just going to go go ahead and list everybody that's on the album. It starts off with Ginger Doss, Wendy Rule, S.J. Tucker, Becca Kelso, Tuathadea, Dave the Bard, who was at Caldera Fest, Caliana, <laughs> uh, Celia, Celia Ferran, um, and Mama Gina. Brian Hinkey, Spiral Dance, Sharon Knight and Winter, Murphy's Midnight Rounders, and Spiral Rhythm. Now, you might have some Suge fans out there. You might have some Wendy Roll fans out there. You might have some Dave the Bard fans out there. But, you know, maybe Mama Gina's still pretty up and coming. Maybe people haven't heard Mama Gina. Well, if you get this album, you're going to get not all who's out there in the pagan music uh, world, but a good chunk. And... I'm going to go ahead and just, you know, step away from from the green album and and broaden broaden my uh my scope here. Uh at Caldera Fest, these were not the only bands at and acts at Caldera Fest. You oh, had no. which so are, many great bands. You had Dragon Ritual drummers. Who all uh, Arthur Hines from Emerald Rose. Arthur Hines was there. Uh just so many this is just, hopefully, we'll see. I don't want to give Danny and Becca a heart attack, but this might just be the first Green album. Who knows? <laughs> Someone else is going to have to, right to uh, uh, carry the torch for the next one to give Danny and, <laughs> and Becca a break, I think. <laughs> you, know, it's been, you know it's been three years since they've been on a date. Oh, no, 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 no. I mean, granted, I understand I have been in a relationship with a band member before. And when it's both of your passions, um, it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard to step away because you're, you are so yeah. passionate. And that passion kind of filters, it, it kind of runs through, it, it's kind of the same 
energy, as, as sexual energy, that that passion right. for music. So, um, but yeah, you guys take take have a date. They are gonna, you know, you know we, they are gonna should... go on a date. That's the only reason I know that they haven't been on a date in three years, because <laughs> I know that they're gonna go on a date. They're gonna go Yay. on a date, and, and they're gonna go on a date on Sunday. Yay! Okay, Yay. well, call me and tell me how it's going. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. No, they're probably going to tell you. <laughs> no, no, we're going to have to. We're going to have to. You know, say it's lights out. No, you know, no Facebook. Turn the computers off. Turn the phones off. But what off. if they go to Asheville? What if they go to Asheville on Sunday? Oh well, okay. <laughs> go to Asheville. They absolutely can come to Asheville. I would never stop that from happening. <laughs> Yay! So you get to be the but first I'm date for years. But I'm insist that they go have a candlelight dinner afterwards because um, it's an afternoon show. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was sitting here about ready to put them to work in my head. I was saying, okay, well, you know, if you go see Ginger in uh, Asheville, you might get, and you buy the Green Album, you might get like a a two for there. You know, you might get Danny and Becca to sign it too. There but, you go. You know, there you go. My, but but you if they're having a date, you know, no pressure. They they don't need to be they, – they can do whatever they want to do. They have been working so hard and just, I mean, so hard. And all of us on the Green Album owe everything to them. I mean, we have all worked hard in our own way, but they have have mm-hmm. just – I mean, it's it's just – it's staggering. The, the work that they've done. And um, I, I've just, it's been an honor and a privilege to work with them. And because they're, they're, their act is so together, I know they probably wouldn't say that, but it is because, you know, I've, <laughs> no, I've they worked. Wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I know them. I know them. They're, they're probably both yeah. going, no, no, no. <laughs> but no, it is. Not, it no. is. Well, we don't see the chaos. We only see the results. So, <laughs> To us, it looks very much like you've got your act together. And part of having your they act do. together is what you do in the face of chaos, because there's always going to be chaos, you know. And if you're <laughs> and if you don't think there's going to be chaos, then there's going to be a, a problem. <laughs> you got to be prepared for the chaos when it comes, and they are, and they handle it. And that's a part of being an independent musician. How are you going to handle it when your keyboard goes out right before your headlining gig? at Heartland, which happened to me um, uh, a few years back, and I had to take it apart backstage, and oh my god, and I was supposed to be getting dressed for the gig, and I wasn't getting dressed, I was freaking out thinking we were going to have to cancel the show, but see, things like this, I actually got the keyboard to work, thank god, and was able to pull off the show, but um, you know, these types of things happen in, in our business, and it's a very up and down kind of business. One minute you're in heaven, the next minute you're in hell, and it, it's a constant ride. It's a roller coaster ride, and you got to be ready for that ride. And they they make that ride so much fun. Just love them to death. Well, Becca says when you were talking about they got this stuff together and, and, and you know, the chaos, being able to, to master the chaos, and Becca's like, I don't know who who you saw. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you. No, no, you guys looks- actually have it together. They they think they don't, but if you've ever seen Tuatha Dea, 
un unload and then load back up. It's a science. It is a science. So yeah. they said that we they, they said we love you. So I don't know if they love you or me or both of us. Who's who's their favorite? <laughs> no, I wish they were both yeah. here. You know, I and, do and that. maybe. I don't think I can make it up to Asheville this this Sunday, but but where is it again? It would be really cool if I could go up there, but then they would, you know, feel like we would have to do stuff and not have a date. So there you go. I'm not coming. I'm not coming. So, <laughs> so where well, is it I, that you're playing again? No, no. Everybody who comes to my show at Asheville has to leave Becca and Danny alone if they come. So that's just the way it, that goes. <laughs> Um, you guys need to. It's at the block. Draft. It's at the block off Biltmore, um, which is this cool. And I've never been to this venue. And this is one of um, my agent. I've, I've been working with a wonderful, awesome agent this year um, that I love dearly. She's she's a super cool lady. And um, this is this was a gig she booked. So I've never never been there. Never seen this place. Um, and um, but I'm very excited to be there. And I think it's going to be an awesome awesome day. I'm really excited about it. I I'm really excited about you being in in uh, in uh, Asheville because I've heard so many awesome things about Asheville. It's it's a real happening very hippie place. I think you'll like it. And maybe maybe you and your significant other. And and the the kids I haven't seen pictures of yet <laughs> will will uh, gonna show will you. relocate. Yeah, we're already showing the pictures of the kids and every, my clone, my Xerox machine <laughs> of children. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to that when when we get off the the podcast. But I'm I'm really enjoying this conversation. It's it's a lot of fun. Uh, so again, do what you can. Uh, when you're listening to this, to support the Green Album uh, for so many reasons, not only uh, because it's an amazing album, but you're helping the the music community, independent music musicians, and the Rainforest Trust, thegreenalbum.net. Uh, I talked about playing Mama Gina's song. Uh, she actually uh, told me the story behind it that she – this is funny because this is one of the stories that you get. You wrote the song when when approached but some people had these songs like Gina had these so the song and didn't know exactly where to put it because it it's not quite doesn't fit with other other albums and stuff that she's done so she's kind of had this song out there that meant a lot to her and uh the green album gave her a venue to play it and it's again about the uh the bear hunts down in Florida and it's very powerful a very very powerful song, so uh, yes, it's indeed. called Due North. Pardon? I just said yes, indeed. Very powerful song. And and I summoned a bear on my television when I was talking. About <laughs> <it>. <laughs> bear showed so up to say, "Play the song." Well, I wasn't going to play the song, but then you said you said the bear showed up on the TV, and I'm like, "Oh, I better play that song then." Um, again, it's so hard. Everybody on this album did such an amazing job, and like I said, I can't play the whole album, and I tried to, to, to figure out exactly what the best way of, of playing. Obviously, I'm going to play Gaia Lives, and because Danny and Becca are, are supporting the show, I'm going to play the Tuatadea song, and uh, again, uh, Kellyanna and Spiral Dance weren't there at, at uh, Caldera, so I wanted to play them, but here you go, because the bear showed up on my TV. 
that's why we're doing this one. <laughs> because the bear showed up on my TV, Mama Gina, Stu North, now the Vegas Tonight Radio Network.
coming no I thought she was just like goofing around and I thought you know you guys are really doing a date night well I mean you can still do a date night after because um it's an afternoon show so that's good so you guys can actually like go have a candlelight dinner somewhere and uh not talk about anything and just gaze into each other's eyes and uh all that goodness um (laughs) oh my god I, I'm just, I'm so touched by that. I am so unbelievably touched by that because uh, I just, uh, I, I don't know what to say, actually. Um, I just, I think that's awesome. That's so awesome. I'm so glad I'm going to see you. Oh, <laughs> you know, this is one of the reasons I love, I love doing the show and I love the Green Album and I hope that everyone listening to the show gets yeah, listen to her be all romantic. That's what Becca said. <laughs> she is. She's being all romantical. Um, <laughs> but but the community, and, and you and I were talking about this before the show, too. There's a big drive for for the community to, to really click and, and, and come together. And I think this is happening on on many, many levels. And I love the way it's happening with the music level and the, you know, with festivals and music and I think that the the whole pagan community uh, can benefit from that. Music is one thing that brings a lot of people together. I can sit here and talk to you about, you know, my favorite song that I heard on the radio when we were kids and, and right away we make that connection and that's what we're starting to do with uh, with things like, like the Green Album and you know, shows, this show and other shows like this. So... Uh, who's oh, the host? Yeah. It's Pamela Kelly, the high jazz pr- princess, um, and she asked. She just asked in in chat who I am. I'm Pam Kelly. <laughs> this is Ginger Doss. Hi, Ginger. Hi. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> How's but, it going? But on. <laughs> We're getting smileys. We're getting smileys. Um. But it, it's so nice to be part of this project and, and to do what I can to, to support it. And, uh, and you know, I, I like you know, earlier today when I was talking, when I sent out a, a Facebook message to, to the artist, uh, Celia, I, it, it meant a lot to me that Celia uh, said, help, you know, thank you for your help and, you know, giving birth to this, pushing this out. You know, as, as you guys were giving birth, I'm helping push this out. And I'm thinking, like, I'm like this music midwife. <laughs> so, so everybody, uh, if you if you can, I can't. I can only play a handful of songs from this album. But what have I played so far? Uh, Ginger, Kellyana, Spiral Dance, and Mama Gina. Now there's ten more artists on this album. So you're 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 basically just getting a nibble 
uh, of this. It's available right now from download, and I'm, I'm recapping because Jazz Princess came in late. <laughs> download, you can get it now at thegreenalbum.net, and you can get a digital download. If you want a physical copy, you need to know where the different artists are going to be. And as while supplies last, you need you can get a physical copy from from the artists. So, uh, Ginger, this would be a good time for you to go ahead and say you're going to be at Asheville uh, on Sunday, mm-hmm. and recap yeah, again Sunday where you're going to be. Is, is during yep. the day the the block off Biltmore, um, and I actually need to look at my own um, calendar to um, verify the details. So. You might want to do the same. Visit my um, website, gingerdoss.com slash shows. Um, Just hit the shows button, and it takes you to my calendar, and um, it has all the information, um, what time, where, all that good stuff. And and I'm doing my meditation workshop first, and then I'm doing some music. So um, Mm -hmm. if you're interested, I'm doing a, a modern meditation uh, for the hectic lifestyle, the same workshop I did at Caldera, and we had I had a lot of great uh, feedback at the uh, at the workshop at Caldera, and I've done this workshop in, at several other festivals as well. And it's it's very very helpful, um, very easy techniques uh, to start to um, practice uh, mastering um, your thoughts and your mind, and being able to create stillness anywhere, anytime. In a, in a very quick amount of time. So I will be doing that workshop very first important. and then going right in. Yes, it is, it's critical. It's absolutely critical. And um, I will be um, doing some music after. And so we're just going to hang out and play music and party. And if Danny's there, oh, dude, will you play some drums for me? And Becca, if you feel like singing along, you know, I I I don't have Linda with me. I sure would love for you to to uh, to, to chime in anytime. <laughs> I would love it. So um, I'm so excited, y'all are coming. I can't believe it. Um, that is just so cool. That is so cool. And um, you should have seen her face when she started reading it on, on the chat. She's like, I didn't realize they were really coming. <laughs> so it's, it's but that's what I love is 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 how supportive the community is. And and how much like family and I I really wish I could have been in Caldera and I know that's one of the things that that you were talking about about how it was heaven because you you got to meet all these people who you know yeah. uh, I mean you you've done things with with Suge I, I know you probably met a, a good handful of them but still it was nice to have everybody together Jazz Princess said Caldera yeah. was awesome so yeah yeah it's it's like Danny, I, I've done shows with Sharon and Winter, with Tuatha with Suge. Um, uh, we didn't do a show, but I've 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 hung out with Celia before. Um, I've done shows with Dragon Ritual drummers and with the Just Christ Super Drum. I've done shows with about half the, the bands that were there, and mm-hmm. so I mean to 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 be able to be all together. I mean it was just crazy. It was crazy, um, and so cool. So cool, Mama Gina and I. We've done several shows in, in Florida together. Uh, just such a huge fan of all of them, and and them and their music, and they as people are just. It's just such an amazing uh, community of of artists. Just just amazing. 
And what we were talking about before, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm looking at what, what Danny is posting in, in chat. Uh, the thing at, in Asheville, he's, he's, he's uh, both he, uh, He's talking about your gig in uh, in Asheville, and he says five dollar cover ridiculously cheap for Ginger Doss. So it's <laughs> and and yeah, but I kind of read it as as you're ridiculously cheap. So <laughs> <laughs> not necessarily the truth. I don't know. Um, but uh, <laughs> it's the the thing is that that the connection that that I've made with everyone is is the connection that <laughs> that anyone can make with, with the artists on, on the Green Album and the other artists that are are uh, are touring around at the, the festivals and stuff. So, you know, reach out and, and 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 be supportive, not just by buying the Green Album and, and your other work. Gingerdoss.com uh, you have a lot of albums, and, and they're all awesome. They're all all great. I'm I'm a big fan of Ganesh Is Fresh. I, I love that <laughs> song. And and come down and uh, yeah, Danny and Becca are being troublemakers in in chat. So we better better like start thinking about <laughs> wrapping wrapping this up. So if if you once you get the green album. And you you get acquainted with all the different artists out there. Find find their websites and see support yes. their music. You know their other albums and 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 such. And uh, again, the Green Album, twenty five percent of the proceeds go to help Rainforest Rainforest Trust, which um, Caldera with the the debut of the album already. Already is helping out Rainforest Trust. Danny Danny gave me numbers earlier today with how much of a, a push that just the release was. So when you buy this album, uh, whether it's digital or physical copy, you're you're doing your part in helping the earth and helping feed the artists <laughs> and yes. uh, awesome. creating so community. Awesome. Creating yes. community. That's what I love. Um. Speaking of creating community and the Green Album, one of the videos that I've seen posted from Caldera is having almost everybody on the album join Tuathadea for their songs. You know, again, Kellyanna and Spiral Dance weren't there, but the the stage was filled. I saw you and Sharon Knight do uh, do the corners with them. I saw that video. Yes, yes, yes. That was cool. That was so cool. I saw Adam dancing around the stage and then Ginger Doss's keyboard in case you weren't up there yet. I love Adam. He's so awesome. I love everybody yes, in the band. They're so awesome. They are. They are. And if anyone's going to PSG, uh, another Tuatha Dea couple is supposed to be hand-fasted by Selena this year. So, there you go. Figure it out. Do the math. Yes. <laughs> yep. Trivia question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because she's I can't wait to go back there. And I'm going to read that. I'm going to read. That. I'm, I'm, gonna... I'm just warning you. I'm going to go through <laughs> with a fine-tooth comb and look at this chat that's going on back there. I can't see because I'm just on my phone over here. Um, so, yeah, oh, just just letting you know. I can't believe you said that, Becca, about Ginger. 
<laughs> no, back then Danny were talking about being troublemakers. I guess I am too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we all got a little bit of troublemaker in us. Makes life interesting. It does make life interesting. Um, again, if you can go back and check out the video of the Tuatha Dea, the Green Album, uh, what they had uh, able to, to put out on, on uh, YouTube or on YouTube and Facebook and such. I don't know if it's on YouTube, but I know I've seen Facebook videos of some of the really cool music that was going on in Caldera. And one of the ones was, was Green, which is the title cut, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> uh, green from Tuatadea and had almost everybody up there on stage, wasn't it? It was pretty yes, much everybody. Yes, it was. It was. It was awesome. Um, we we came out for the big build up at the end. It was. It was kind of a we are the world moment. <laughs> awesome. It was so. Yeah. It was so. It was so beautiful. And and. Um, we did the same thing. Uh, uh, th- there was so much of that going on all weekend. Um, uh, w- we played. We all sang uh, with Brian Hinkey. A, l- a bunch of us sang with Brian Hinkey uh, on on his uh, one of his songs. That was just. It was so intense. We were all like, I was. I was crying by the end of it. I mean, there was just so much emotion, so much intensity. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was one of the um that I just posted a picture or well, I posted a picture a couple maybe yesterday, um, of uh Celia and I and Sharon and Winter uh waiting to go on on another and I'm I'm I am i am not sure when that was. I think it might have been I'm not sure exactly when that was because there were so many times. We were There's all so on stage at different times for different out, artists. Yeah. I, I played on Suja's set, on Becca's set, on Tuatha's set, on uh, Brian's set, um, just uh, on and on and on. All of us were on and off stage all during the festival. It I was played so much fun. For Liz Liz Hamilton, you know what? You know, let's do this real quick. The the Pagan Variety Show has been through many different hosts. And hold on a second. Liz, come here, please. <laughs> the Pagan Variety Show has been through so many different hosts through the years, and when I took it over, uh, it was I took it over from Liz Hamilton. So anyone that's been a, a fan of, of Pagan's Tonight over the years, or the Pagan Variety Show, would remember Liz Hamilton. So Liz is is a big, huge fan of of everybody on this album as well. And one of the things that we got to to, to look at earlier today too was the uh, the collaboration on stage of Dragon Ritual Drummers and Tuatha doing Bambula, and the energy that came from that song, even though it's a video, like probably from somebody's phone cam, was just electrifying. I mean, as soon as we started it, it was like wow. So I can only imagine how amazing Caldera was. So I want to go ahead and let Liz say hi real quick because. Uh, you know, just so you know that we even have a community with podcasters as well. <laughs> we support each other. Hello, everyone. It is wonderful to be here. Um, I don't know who all we have on the phone tonight, but oh, just me and Ginger. Okay, hi, hi Liz. Ginger, you're wonderful, hi, and I love you, and you're just so freaking awesome. Uh, yeah. This- yeah. I know. It's so, it's so cool <laughs> like that you just walked into the other room. 
so that you could talk to me through the computer. <laughs> yes. We've been sitting very quietly next to each other. <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah, the green album. Um, everybody needs to own a copy. I I don't care if you have to stop drinking Starbucks for a month. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> you can get your coffee fix in other ways. There, there's less expensive <laughs> ways to get your coffee fix. Trust me, I've learned. Um, so yeah, I, I, I love this album. Um, when when Pam finally fired it up for me, I was like sitting on the edge of my seat waiting for the first song to play, and she's like, "You're gonna love this. You're gonna love this." And I'm like, "Just play it already, woman." And then she played it, and I was like, the world just kind of fell away, and there was nothing else but the music coming out of her computer. And I I want to have it and then play it in my room with surround sound and just lay there mm-hmm. and let myself go. And oh, it would be so nice. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's so that's the thing that's so awesome about just putting this disc in and listening to it. It's a journey. It's like all these different artists come to you, song after song after song. And usually, yeah. to get all these different artists, you'd have to um, assemble a playlist on your own, or you, there'd be work involved. <laughs> yeah. And in this case, <laughs> all you have to do is sit, put the disc in. And, oh, I love the imagery you just painted, Liz. That's so cool. I love the idea of just laying, <laughs> like, you. in the middle of a, these awesome surround sound speakers and just letting Windy Rule and Suge and Becca and Tuatha Day and all these people just sing, oh, sing to you. Just, yeah, I'm going to have to try that. <laughs> there you go. Let's yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> I snagged the phone from, from, uh, from Liz because i got to say what – uh, first of all, Andrea Summers came in. Say hi. Hi, Andrea. Hi, baby. <laughs> I love you. Are the kids listening? I can't see what you're typing. Um, Pam has to tell me. <laughs> right now, she's she's just saying love to you all. So she finally got to, and and she says she's actually holding the phone because my phone will not let me hang up. I called uh, because the girls wanted to say hi. Oh. I love you, Roro and Willow. I miss you. I love you so much. I can't wait to talk to you. I'm going to talk to you tomorrow after school. And I just love you and miss you so much. And it won't be too much longer before I get to, to hug and kiss you a million times. Oh. <laughs> this is so sweet. You know, Andy's already like pointing at his teeth saying he's getting cavities. So, um <laughs> and Becca was typing the we are the world thing as you said it. So, uh they they yeah. have said no emphatically about giving up Starbucks, but that's Tuatha and they don't give up Starbucks. It's a no, almost religion. I don't, I, I don't either. I sometimes <laughs> I switch to just like an Americana or something. Just go for the cheaper variety of Starbucks if you have to, but Still gotta have it. Okay, well we we gotta get to I gotta cram this in. We gotta get to the the last song from the Green uh, album that I'm gonna play tonight, and it is Green from Tuatha Dea. I'm gonna tell you if you're <laughs> listening, you it might get cut off at the end, but if you listen to the show once it goes up on podcast, you'll hear the song in its entirety. 
So if you get cut off tonight when when I'm playing the song, don't worry about it. Just go back and listen to the podcast, and uh, you'll be able to listen to the song in its entirety. Or better yet, go to thegreenalbum.net and download your own copy because you will not be disappointed. I will. I you you won't be. There's just so much awesomeness on this album. Uh, any last words other than you love Andrea and the kids? Anything else? <laughs> and Danny and Becca and Tammit and Eddie, thank you. And Liv and everybody listening, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for supporting all of our music and everything that all the people that take us in and give us places to stay and we just and come to the shows and everything you do for this community. Uh, you are just as much and just as important to this as all of us are. And together we will do amazing things. And now you need to play that song because it's an awesome song. It is an awesome song. It is definitely Tuatha and it's definitely uh, stepping it up a notch. So it's amazing. This is Green from the Green album, Tuatha and uh, before we go, Andrea says that she loves you too and that the girls love and miss you too and they miss you more. So you're going to have to come into the booth here and check out everything that they can say. Have a great night.
to Pagan Tonight. Pagans unite on Pagan Tonight. Many paths, one network. For over five years, we've been the place to connect with the best, brightest, and most trusted voices in the pagan world. Every night is Pagans Tonight. 